Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King, and you're listening to the Photography Podcast dedicated to getting you out there on an adventure of your own. I know that all of you have full-time jobs, full-time families, but you bought that camera for a reason. So pack your gear, grab your camera, get out there, get a flat tire. It's time for a Photog Adventure of your own. It's episode 173, and we are back on a Monday talking Photog Adventures and teaching Milky Way-specific stuff. Now, this content today is very focused. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I'm not focused, but I'm actually telling you story upon story, and it's easy to just indulge in the story. But today, I really want to just keep it kind of dry in a way where here's some information that you might want to have for your winter. So if you're thinking about getting out there for a Milky Way and trying to do more, okay, let's just say it this way. If you're thinking, I want to get out from Milky Way, but I just missed it. November looks like a terrible month. The moon is up during the only time the core is up. So my last time for Milky Way was already past. I guess I'll just wait until February to get my Milky Way again. It's like, nah, you don't have to do that. And this year, I am personally going to be challenging myself to get out there a whole lot more. And I'll be challenging all of you during Milky Way Wednesday throughout the MilkyWayPhotographersGuild.com and just trying to encourage us to go in and do something that many have already done a lot of. Like I am watching, you know, Chris Woodruff, who goes out and has a fantastic winter Milky Way, always encouraging the guild to get out there, and Blake's taking it on more. The challenge has been met by many members of the Milky Way Photographers Guild. And so, you know what, I'm thinking I've got to do it too. I have absolutely got to follow through and do this as well. So this year, this winter, I am getting out and doing more Astro, and I'm capturing a Milky Way panorama during the winter. Yeah, I know. If you didn't hear me talk about this last week, you might be thinking, wait a second, wait a second. A Milky Way panorama is not possible except during the months of February and June for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere and further possible only in the Southern Hemisphere through November. There's no winter Milky Way panoramas, right? Well, here's the thing. We're going to try. Okay, let me just say it successfully because, you know, when there's no try, there is only do. There is no try. There is only do. No, there is do or do not. There is no try. That's what it is. (laughs) So we are absolutely going to succeed in getting a panorama and capturing what is, you know, frankly called by me the weaker part of the Milky Way band. You know, we're sitting here in the saucer, the giant pizza that is the Milky Way spiral galaxy, and we look towards the inside where all the toppings are. It's like, wow, look at all that detailed data. Cool. You got really cool dust lanes. Oh, that's awesome. And then you look out to the edge towards the crust, and we have a thin crust, boring crust. There's nothing extra in. There's no cheese in that crust. We just have a boring, thin crust on the outside that we're looking at. Yeah, there's some definition. We can tell where the pizza ends, but you can't really love it as much as when you look towards the inside and see that, oh, that meat, that meat lover's pizza full of the awesome sausage and the pepperoni. And so when you're thinking about all that juicy meat on the inside of the Milky Way core, you can be elitist like I am and think, man, there's nothing else left for us here. When the Milky Way core goes down, so does my camera. Take a little nap, my camera. It's time for bare dormancy. It's time for hibernation. We won't be back until the spring, but we don't have to do that. We're not going to do that this year. 
So in this episode, this short, short, tight episode, there are five key points that you need to know in order to capture a winter Milky Way panorama. All right, let's get started right away. I won't have any ads or anything this episode, so if you want to support me, Photog Adventures, join us on the MilkyWayPhotographersGuild.com. It's $5 a month. It's ad-free, and I'm actually in the process of adding a bunch of changes to it that I have been wanting to for years, and so I'm excited to make it even better to be a part of the guild. If you want to support me, simply jump into the guild and be there. Otherwise, check out my workshops at workshops.photogadventures.com. Just go to photogadventures.com and click on workshops or type in all the way workshops.photogadventures.com I'm adding more workshops for 2024 actually so keep an eye out if you wanted to get into Escalante because it's about to get sold out again all right here we go episode episode one (laughs) tip number one or the key point number one I call them key points the key point number one is that panorama when does it actually work? If we were to break down the specifics of a panorama, what makes the panorama arch interesting, possible? How does it actually work in some months but not work in the other months? And to put it simply, it's just the height, the maximum elevation of the Milky Way band. So when you think about that arch that occurs in the sky, if the Milky Way band is nice low on the horizon, then it gets higher in the sky, then it's vertically right above you, and then it starts to set over there as it goes into the southwest. That's the entire path of the Northern Hemisphere Arch. It goes from horizon up to a cool arching angle to a cool vertical angle, and you watch as the core, totally vertical, sets in the south to the southwest and leans and leans and disappears. And at that point, we kind of stop looking, but the winter Milky Way continues as it goes off at a different angle. So when you're thinking about a panorama and what works with a panorama, I got to make sure this is a pop, pop, pan, pan. It's going to be tough with this mic because I want to be really close to the mic, but I also want to say panorama look in this direction and not like right into the mic saying panorama. Although keeping my my nose right there makes it stop pop. Okay, it sounds really good. The quality of the audio is nice and I'm not popping as bad as I could. All right, so a panorama, you got to think about how you're tackling it and the timing is critical. And if you just look at basically the movement of the Milky Way throughout the sky and you look in, say, PhotoPills at, if you go into the Planner app and you're looking at PhotoPills and you have the modules on the top, the Planner app has the sun and moon, the shadow, the the distance where you use the pin-to-pin geodetic info. You've got that circle that is the sun, half sun, half moon, and you continue on through all those modules until you get to the one that shows the picture of the Milky Way. The picture of the Milky Way that's in the center of a circle, and it gives you galactic center, azimuth, and elevation, Milky Way max elevation, azimuth, and elevation. So when we're talking about the Milky Way max elevation, we're not talking about where the core is. We're talking about where the highest point of the arch, the Milky Way max elevation. The galactic center itself has an elevation of how high up in the sky in degrees that it is. And you'll see that throughout the night, how it goes from below the negative and then into positive as it's rising above the horizon. And then it goes up into a certain point, depending on your latitude line, it goes up to a certain elevation height in the sky. And then it starts you know, receding back down and setting. And even if you go throughout the day, 
you'll still see where the Milky Way elevation goes throughout the entire sky. It never stops calculating where the Milky Way core elevation is going to be, whether it's a negative number or a positive number. Well, the one number below the galactic center, that Milky Way max elevation, is the critical one for knowing where the Milky Way is going to be for a panorama. So if you're looking at that, ignore the azimuth. The azimuth isn't important right now. That's just where it is in a 360-degree circle. We're not worried about azimuth. We're worried about elevation. How high up does your arch get? Eventually in July, here in the Northern Hemisphere, the arch gets to a high enough part in the sky that it starts to become impossible to capture a panorama without a very, very heavy, wide angle, a heavy, a very, very large, wide angle uh, fisheye lens. And even with that, it isn't great. And so your favorite times are right up until the end of June where it's really looking good, and then it just gets too high. For instance, have you ever been with me on the edge of Crater Lake during June, and we're doing a workshop, and we're thinking, okay, right when it gets dark, everybody, I'm walking around there kind of cracking the whip saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. How's your focus? Okay, get that. Boom. Okay, remember, you're going to do one row at least for the sky, and then one row at least for the foreground, right? I'm getting everyone ready to go because as soon as it gets dark, We've got this clock running, this countdown clock from, okay, the Milky Way panorama is fantastic immediately, and it's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse as the night goes on, and we roughly have from like 11 p.m. till midnight, roughly. Depends on the day in the month, whether it's 10.45 to 11.45 or exactly 11 to 12, you know? So you have roughly an hour to get a good Milky Way before that Milky Way arch is just too high in the sky. Max elevation has been reached beyond the comfortable panorama point. So, Aaron, what is the comfortable degrees that I should be looking at? Okay, I'm seeing it here on photo pills. I can see it, Aaron. As I move my time forward, I can see that it's starting off at like, oh, well, if it's February 20th, 2023, it starts off at 81 degrees in the beginning of the night. Goes all the way down until what, it gets as low as 11 degrees at this location that I'm on right now where my pin is. And then it continues throughout the night and goes back up to 41 degrees. So what should I be looking for? What's my goal? What's my goal height? As you're looking at possible, possible panorama, it's even lower than the number I'm going to give you. But I'm going to give you my favorite range. So this range is just going to be a nice flat, almost parallel to the ground pano to a pano that's a little too high. And this is the entire range from 22 degrees to 52 degrees. That's a safe range that if you were outside and you saw the Milky Way at that point, you can capture a panorama. Now, my personal favorite, my personal favorite is high enough to give you good negative space under the arch, but also not so high up above the horizon that you have a big, big, extra empty negative space between the arch of the panorama to the horizon. In a Milky Way Wednesday, I'll show the example of two different panorama images I should do that next week. We can just talk about it a little bit more and just do two topics, Aaron. Just do that. So if you're listening to this Wednesday, listening to this right now before Wednesday the 9th of November, I'm going to do a 7 p.m. live mountain time, 7 p.m. mountain time, live Milky Way Wednesday. And I'm going to share these two images. The capture I did at Island in the Sky with the panorama in March where you can see how it's at a certain height. And I'll give that information. I'll give the height, the degrees, everything. So we have the exact minute that I captured this panorama. And then show the comparison with one that I didn't think worked out all that well because clouds were in my way. 
and it forced me to wait, wait a little bit longer than I wanted to, to get that Milky Way up high enough in the sky above those clouds to be visible, or the clouds to finally move out of my way. I can't remember which. I think they, just, they finally went off into the distant horizon, and they were off of my core, so I could take a picture. And at that point, that Milky Way panorama height was high enough to still capture the panel. It wasn't a hard stitch. It wasn't difficult to make the full arching panorama merge. It was good. It was solid but it was nowhere near as good looking as it did turn out at the Island in the Sky shot. And you can see why immediately with just how much negative space is between the arch of the Milky Way panel and the horizon. So when I say 22 degrees to 52 degrees, that's your safest part. So when the highest max elevation of the Milky Way is at 22 degrees, it's starting to become great and it's probably fantastic already. I say probably because now I need to verify this. I'm going to spend this winter verifying these numbers. Hey, guess what, Aaron? 17 degrees is fantastic if you're at this kind of height and you don't have a blocked horizon. Hmm, okay. And I'll make notes of that and keep telling you. Then as it goes from 22 degrees and gets higher and higher and higher in the sky, it gets to a perfect primo spot, a range that I like is 30 degrees to 45 degrees. Looking at previous images and previous times that I captured, it seems that my little sweet spot for personal preference Aaron King is that 30 degrees to 45 is brilliant. And so if you can be there at a location to capture a panorama and your max elevation of the Milky Way is between 30 degrees and 45, you know you can do a panorama that'll be terrific. That's the key to know. 30 degrees to 45 degrees Milky Way maximum elevation. All right? Number two, the other key is that you're not going to be looking east. In a little bit, you think, okay, I am going to capture a Milky Way in the winter, and the core is not here. So when the core, when the Milky Way band rises, it'll be winter Milky Way band, and I'll look over in the west, or I'll look over in the east, and I'll see that Milky Way band. But that's actually not how it works. What's interesting is not interesting at all. It's actually obvious. We are just turning our heads. We are on a chair, and we're looking at a pizza, and we're rotating. So imagine if you had a 16-foot pizza. You jam your head on the edge of one end of the pizza, not the very middle of the pizza, but like a far outer edge of the pizza. You jam your head through it, and you're sitting there. But you happen to also be sitting on a swivel chair. That's what the Earth is. I'm going to swivel around in my swivel chair and see how, okay, I can see all the different sides of the pizza. So you're sitting there looking at all the different sides of the pizza, and that never changes. The Earth, even though it rotates around the sun, it never stops looking at the core and the outer edge of the Milky Way the same way. We don't tilt a different way. We are constantly tilted at this height. It's just the winter season and the summer season occur because our tilt that we're currently at is sometimes facing the sun and sometimes away from the sun, and the angle of the light changes, and that causes our seasons, right? So even though we have big differences in December versus June, thanks to our orbit around the sun, all we're really all that's really happening is sometimes when we're looking at the core, the dang sun's in the way. And sometimes we're looking at the core, the sun's not in the way. And we're on the dark side of the earth, and we can see without the sun obliterating our view, we can see the core. And it's always at that same angle. So imagine that it was just you looking at the same square on a wall and rotating. No matter what you do, that square stays the exact same same. Same shape, same everything. It goes the same direction always. 
but sometimes you open your eyes and sometimes you close your eyes. Are you looking at the square or looking off to the right of the square? Looking at the square or looking off to the left of the square? When did you open your eyes? That's all that matters. And our nighttime is us opening our eyes and looking at the core. So when you're thinking about looking east and waiting for the winter, it's not a different shaped Milky Way. What happens is during the entire hours of the night, that Milky Way arch is never going to be there. And if it was there, you would see what? A Milky Way core over there. Because over at night in the west, I mean, from my nor northern latitude, in the west, that's what you're, I'm sorry, west, in the east, that's what you're going to see in the summer. And in order for you to see that core looking in the east, it needs to be a very specific time of the year, which we call our Milky Way season, that misnomer that is a, it's, a, it's a season, even though it's not. It's currently, I mean, it's constant. It's every night. Milky Way exists every night. But the season in our nighttime, when our eyes are open and we can actually see the Milky Way, it's during February, well, January technically, all the way through November that we actually see the core. Our eyes open in time to see the core passing by when we're angled that direction. But in the other months, we're not. And so we're thinking, okay, all right, I can't look east anymore to see the Milky Way, but I can get a panorama of the winter Milky Way looking west which is actually a really cool prospect. Up until on Milky Way Wednesday when I was complete... Ah, that was a wee squeak, sorry. I had to move the mic. I wanted to look this way now. That I'm looking east. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm saying it wrong. I'm looking west. So I want to look west in my room as I record this podcast. Even though I was completely bummed out by someone revealing that Horseshoe Ben decided right before COVID to turn... Or not turn off, to turn off to um, close the gates from sundown to sunup. So you can't go in there in the dark. I don't know what the rules are, if there's a way to do it still, or if you have to ask permission, then you can, or if you get a permit and you can, kind of like a valley of fire situation. Ah, but Horseshoe Bend was so perfect. The idea of all the time I've been disappointed that a Horseshoe Bend, really cool Horseshoe Bend-looking Western image never works with the Milky Way. At best, the Milky Way core is vertical in the far southwest, way off of Horseshoe Bend, and it's practically an afterthought to a point of just not being a part of the same composition. And so it's not something that you have seen where you got a really cool Milky Way over Horseshoe Bend because it just doesn't exist. Not the core, but the winter Milky Way can. And if there's a possible way of staying there or picture in your mind what westerly subject subject where you can stand and look directly west at would look good. You know, Factory Butte. Factory Butte is a southwest subject where I can go directly on its west, on its east side looking west, and I can see, oh, I could do a full panorama over Factory Butte of the winter Milky Way. In fact, that's exactly what Mary Beth Kaczynski has done. When she was hanging out in the winter out here in Utah, she captured a full panorama right over Factory Butte, and that's awesome. And so the second key point is that you're going to be looking west, and you can capture that panorama as soon as you see them. Because you look on the photo pills, you can actually tell when the height of the maximum elevation on the other side, even though there's no core visible, it still shows you the dots, and it shows you the max elevation and says, hey, here it is. It's finally below 52 degrees, and then it sets for you. In fact, 
what, what you're going to experience with that winter Milky Way being high above your head and then finally getting low enough for a panorama and then finally going horizontal and parallel with the, with the horizon, that's precisely the experience of the Southern Hemisphere looking at the Milky Way core. That's what happens to them. It's high in the sky early in the night, and they wait for it to set towards the morning, and they get that panorama opportunity. So if you're ever wanting to feel like you're in the Southern Hemisphere capturing the Milky Way, capturing the winter Milky Way panorama will give you that feeling, and you'll just wish that you were in New Zealand or Australia or South Africa or Chile and capturing that beautiful core as well. But we're not thinking about that, Aaron. Focusing on the cool, cool new thing that the rest of the Milky Way is cool now. The Milky Way is also cool when it's not, you know, beautified by the core. I almost have to tell myself that with a mantra. It's still cool, even though the core is not there, Aaron. I have to make a shirt about that. Some sort of phrase that reminds me of that. So we're going to be looking west. So think of all your subjects that you thought didn't work out with the Milky Way, but now all of a sudden you got a whole 180-degree view of the west that you can play with. California, you want to get a panorama off your lighthouse off of a coastline? You want to, Lighthouses are bright. It's a little tough. But if you want to get something interesting off of your shoreline and capture a panorama, now you can with the winter Milky Way. And so that is going to be interesting. Just got to wait until that Milky Way is below 52 degrees and go on and continues to the 45-degree mark. And then it's in the sweet spot from 45 degrees down to 30 degrees. And then it's still good but not as great and continues until 22 degrees. And during that window, you can capture the Milky Way. So a Milky Way panorama during that time of night. What is that time of night? What can I expect, Aaron, coming up when I'm trying to get the Milky Way to be at those degrees? When is the max elevation at the right degree for me to deal with it in, say, November, January, February, March, December? So looking at the next few months, look at the next five. These are the winter Milky Way months. November is right now. Today is November 7th, and we're looking at our new moon coming up in, oh, what is it, 27th? So even though we can't uh, go to right now, and, oh, 23rd for me if I was out there at the Overlook. So that is the 23rd new moon night. It doesn't have to be the new moon night. Obviously, it's the same kind of window of opportunity for your moon with the Milky Way panorama, the winter Milky Way panorama, WMW, winter Milky Way. So when you're thinking about the timing of when to be out there, in November, you have a lot more waiting to do. It's from 4 a.m. until morning. You have to wait a long time before the Milky Way finally lowers enough to be possible for a panorama, and it goes from 4 a.m. until the morning. It's like roughly an hour, depending on where you're at. About an hour is all you're going to get. But getting into December and January, it's already low enough by 1 a.m. typically and goes until morning. So you're going to wake up early before you go to work and get a cool panorama over a location that seems interesting, and you're going to go from about 1 a.m. until morning and have all that opportunity to get that panorama to work, which is going to be very interesting. Oh, I like the higher Milky Way panorama here, but in this location, the very, very close to the foreground, close to the horizon Milky Way panel was even better. That lower Milky Way panel was even better. So you have all that time from 1 a.m. until morning. Once the morning comes, whatever height it is, that's just the problem. You just get to wash away. In February and March, tip number four, February and March is its own point for tip number four. And the reason why is something that Chris pointed out. That I was like, oh, yeah, that's obvious. 
and I didn't even think about it during that Milky Way Wednesday. It's totally obvious. Yes, in February and March, your Milky Way panorama's up way earlier, 11, 8, 11 p.m. all the way through till it sets, because you got to realize it's actually going to set and then start coming up. The hula hoop is going to tip off to the left side of the horizon and rise on the right side of the horizon. Oh, it's rising on the right side of the horizon. February and March are fantastic because you can capture both the winter Milky Way panorama in the same night as you capture a summer Milky Way panorama. Just to simplify, we'll call it the summer Milky Way panorama, even though it's technically late winter, early spring when it's March, right? So you're looking at February and March, you can capture the core and a panorama, and you can capture the winter Milky Way panorama. You can do both in the exact same night. I've never done that. I can't wait to do it. All of a sudden, my February March just got a lot busier. Now, instead of having that time where the moon just isn't in the way, that's any time during February or March, now I've got to time it out where it's good for the new moon and the core, but also not blocking the Milky Way band on the left. And it's like, hmm, i got to figure out exactly where I want to go, what's going to be a cool subject that's close enough where I can look west, capture that Milky Way, and then either just turn around and capture my Milky Way looking east or drive to another spot close by that has something neat. So what would that be? Where would that be? So what I'm going to do for a Milky Way Wednesday, I'm going to figure out a location that I would like to do that and then talk about the specific timing of the months that are perfect for it and maybe do a listener adventure. If you followed the podcast long enough, you know that I've done a few of those out in the Oregon coast and in Utah at the Salt Flats. We had about five of us that went out that morning. Jeff Harmon almost joined us, but he couldn't make it, and then we got skunked anyway, so he was wise not to come. So we're going to do some Utah Milky Way um, Milky Way with listener adventures as well as quite possibly a listener adventure out um eh, there's no possibility anywhere else but utah this year just in utah so if you're in utah or near utah you can join me for a listener adventure that i'll announce later it's basically a free night to show up at this time and be there you don't have to pay me a cent and you don't have to do any sort of planning or registration just whoever shows up and is there awesome hey welcome you're here for the milky way so are we and so that'll be a listener adventure that we can do together and capture a winter milky way and then hang out and wait until that morning summer Milky Way shows up. So then, tip number five. The last tip of this episode. And this one is going to be the hardest one. The other ones were just information. As long as you knew it, you could do it. As long as you have a camera, you can do it. This one is a sucky one. Just because it's going to cost you. If you don't already have it, you're going to want to get an Astro Modified camera. There's just a beautiful arch that's weaker with harsh brightness and contrasting dust lanes and stars. And so the most interesting elements that make up the winter Milky Way are actually nebulosity, Orion constellation, with all the different nebula color and star color. You're really going to want to see those. They're going to make up the detail, the coolness, the clarity of the Milky Way. All of those are going to be interesting as long as you can see them. And you will see the stars that make them up, the locations where they should be, or slightly more magenta there, or slightly more red there than normal, than other spots. But if you have an astro-modified camera, it's going to sing. It's going to be brilliant, which is why Mary Beth captured what she captured, because she had a Spencer's camera's astro-modified camera, and she's like, I can take advantage of this, and it looked awesome. 
And so absolutely critical. Chris Woodruff had it for his. Mary Beth had it for hers. Two examples that I like to reference. There's many more that have done it. But an astro-modified camera is nearly critical. Nearly. I can't say this next part with any understanding of how hard it is to make work, what it looks like, or whether it does work. I'm just expecting it to work. Now, here's the long and short. There's a method that Ian Norman talks about that we all know about with like exposed to the right, right? Well, you use the LRGB method of actually editing in Photoshop a stack of images that then you start to edit in different ways to bring out the blue, red, green channels and get clarity and detail and color from the nebulas off of what is not an astro-modified camera. It's a stack. In fact, this example that Ian Norman gives is not even a tracked camera. It's a roughly 20 to 40 images. I can't remember the exact total. And then he edits them in Photoshop in an intense way. Much more work, much more effort, but you should see the final Orion constellation that comes out of it. Far more detailed than what we can get. It's not great compared to an astro-modified tracked shot, but it is fantastic. So here's the thing that I can't quote as possible because I know single stacked images, panorama, go for it. That's a lot of work. You can imagine doing a panorama with nine frames. If you didn't do two rows, it was just nine frames, nine different points in the sky, but you're also stacking 20 on each one of those nine. Not even sure that would work out that well because the time constraint, the movement, I think you can find it to merge, but it'd be quite a lot of movement. You'd want to start on the left side and work your way over to the right which might be vice versa with the winter Milky Way. So I can't even talk to the experience of how to do that. But I'm thinking a tracked shot and then post-processed with the LRGB method. What's missing? What's not working? What am I not thinking about? What am I not recognizing as the flaw in this potential? I'm thinking all right now, just without having done it, I don't want to do 20 images. I might do 10. 10 tracked at two minutes each is 20 minutes, 20 minutes per frame. So I'm okay. Now I'm dealing with a very wide angle, 15 millimeter, try and get this in six frames. Now I've got six times 20 minutes. We're already looking at 20, 40, 60. So every three, oh yeah, it's two hours. I'm looking at two hours of capturing frames and that Milky Way has completely moved. Would it be even possible? I don't think so. I don't think it will be because of the time constraint. So while you might be able to do some really good editing on a tracked shot to see some of that detail and get that winter Milky Way panorama to look nice, when you try and go into stacking more than 10 and you also try to stack them at two minutes each and then do the LRGB method, you're going to get more and more detail and data for sure. But you're looking at a tough one, anything beyond 10. 10 is possible. What was that, 10 at 2 minutes? That was the 20 minutes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's already the one that I was worried about, 2 hours. So 5? That's 1 hour. 1 hour is far less if you don't need 5 images and only have to do 6 across to get your pano. That's asking a lot. When you can just save your time and effort and stress and just get yourself a Spencer's camera's Astro Modified camera. 
I am a partner and friend of Clarence Spencer. And so partner, not official or anything, but I do have worked with him in the past where he's loaned me a camera to try it out and sponsored a video for my YouTube channel. And so I consider myself a partner with Spencer, Clarence Spencer and Spencer's cameras. And I support them and I know that they have quality work. I know that they have work that some people have absolutely loved and it has worked really well. Majority of people, I, I'm only going to address this just to be openly honest. There's sometimes that you may have had a bad experience getting your camera modified, whether your camera didn't work well enough or something took too long or something broke that wasn't expecting to break. And that's reality. Some things like that happen when you start doing modifications. But I know and I can vouch for Spen Clarence Spencer's team and him doing all the astro modifications with the utmost care, going to a clean room that is perfect for this process. What he actually does, I don't know. It's proprietary. But everything that he does, he does with care. And the timing may not be up to yours. It could be fast or it could be great. And I'd rather it be great. And I know that he has some fantastic success with his Astro Modified cameras to get the best out of them. So I would go to Clarence Spencer and Spencer's cameras any day. And I'm looking forward to getting one here before the winter so that I can do this whole challenge that we're going to do for the winter milky way panorama it's going to be a lot of fun so a refresher of all five of the quick tips the key tips not quick key tips because we're looking at the time i took a half hour after all number one panorama when does it actually work well max elevation of your milky way needs to be between 22 degrees and 52 the sweet spot is 30 degrees to 45 degrees just to give us a Number that is not arbitrary. It has proven to work. It's where my images have been in my favorite sweet spot. But anywhere from 22 degrees is high enough on the horizon, and 52 degrees is not too high above you to be possible with that sweet spot down at 30 to 45 degrees. Number two, you're going to be looking west, shooting over the west. So figure out a location where you can stand on the east side of something looking west. And what's interesting, what's going to fill your negative space well and be a really interesting subject for that Milky Way panorama for the winter. Number three, you're going to go out in November from 4 a.m. to the morning. In December and January from 1 a.m. until the morning. So it's still early morning, late night, you know. But then February and March, you'll get it right away from 11 p.m. all the way until it finally sets. Depending on what latitude line you are, the setting time will be different. But then you'll wait and capture also the summer Milky Way that'll rise around 4 a.m. and go until sunrise. So February and March... You've got a lot of coolness to handle. February, it's 4 a.m. to morning for that summer Milky Way. When it's March, it's already down at 2 to 3, depending on your location. So you're going to get a lot of time with both the winter Milky Way panorama right away and then the summer Milky Way panorama as soon as the early morning horizon rises, 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 and you see that core high enough to do a Milky Way panel. And last, get yourself an Astro Modified camera. Buy an Astro camera from Canon, Nikon, whoever makes them that has like an RA or whatever they have, just it has an extra astronomy feature to it without modification. Or go through Clarence Spencer with Spencer's cameras and get yourself an Astro modified camera. Totally worth it, especially for the winter Milky Way panorama. All right, awesome. Thank you everyone for joining me for another episode of the Photog Adventures podcast. I am back next Monday. The topic I don't know at this point, but I'll have a great story that is an untold story from my adventures here in 2022. 
and I'll be back to talk to you and hang out with you more. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and still downloading and listening to these episodes. I really love you for doing that, and I will show that love. I keep coming back. I'll see you next Monday. Have a good one.